everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in again on this week's episode of the Failing Awesomely podcast. We have my girl, Ashlyn Huffblue. She is a beautiful writer, singer, songwriter, yoga instructor, realtor, creator, and owner of The Piecemeal Shop, and so many more things. It would probably take me a good 10 minutes to list all the skills she possesses. So um, I won't do that, but (laughs) she's recently (laughs) remarried to her husband, Marcus, and together they live in Aspen, Colorado, and are puppy parents to Ollie and it's Nellie, right? Yes. Okay. I thought so. I just, I didn't, you know, because I know you, I didn't look up information about you and research <laughs> you. I'm like, I'm just going to go by my brain and what I know of my friend. You got it, girl. <laughs> I've known Ashlyn guys for over a decade now, but we oh became, I know, right? <laughs> over a decade. Okay. But going. we became close friends in 2011 after that three hour lunch we had. Mm-hmm. Peter which, Sushi. Yes. My favorite in Nashville which we may talk about a little bit later in the in the podcast um, if there's time. But she is such a beautiful soul, guys, and I know y'all are going to love hearing some of her story. After going through a divorce in 2016, she pretty much unknowingly started to create her course, How to Move On from Divorce and Actually Move On and Be Happy, while going through the healing process herself. So hi, friend. How are you? Oh, I miss you. I miss you so much, but it's so fun getting to do this. This is great. Okay. I know. I was was so pumped. I was thinking about getting to do this tonight, and I'm like, you know what? Before I had kids, you and I used to talk on the phone. We could talk like for at least an hour Uh almost every single day. Yes. (laughs) It it, it was – well, once you moved from Nashville – I That's think what we had really, to do. It really helped our relationship, I think, because we had one option. And oh, yeah. we, oh, dude, we used that option. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did. Big, big time. Oh, <laughs> my big. husband would always know. He'd be like, yeah. oh, You Ashlyn. were just on the phone for like an hour and a half. That had to have been Ashlyn. I'm like, Of course it was. <laughs> but honestly, I have to say, I am, I'm so proud of you for everything that you've done in your life and everything that you have accomplished. But man, when I say I am so proud of you for this course, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like I am so, so proud of you. It is incredible. And I want to mention, I know that I said that this was a, a course on divorce and the healing process from divorce, but you actually made two courses. You made one for divorce, somebody who's who's going through a divorce mm-hmm. and someone who is going through a breakup, which I think is so huge because so many people don't necessarily get married, but they are in these super serious relationships. I mean, you and I know this. Yeah. And going through <laughs> a terrible breakup and they need it too. So- I need if I swear I think if I had had something like this, um, I, I wouldn't have made it to where I made it to me, the divorce one, you know, and that's okay. That's like, my life is my path, but I'm really my, uh, ironically, my, my husband, Marcus, it was the one who mentioned that I should probably, um, think about it for divorce. Cause he said that would have really helped me. And I, yeah. I, you know, and instead of giving somebody like a, uh, Hey, switch out divorce or break up every time when you're in a relationship, that's not a marriage, you tend to invalidate how serious your relationship is. And so I just rewrote the entire course with a person who is not married in mind. So they're spoken to like specifically and they don't have to uh, water it down or, 
or feel less than because I know I would have. Thank you for thinking of everyone. And you and got it. I want to say, I was going to wait till the end of the podcast to say this, but I want to say it now and then I'll just remind everybody again. Ashlyn was kind enough to give me two courses oh, yeah. that I'm going to be giving away. So we're going to do a giveaway after the, um, these, I'm going to say these episodes because I'm pretty certain this is not just going to be one episode. This is going to be a two-parter. <laughs> I told Ashlyn, I was like, be prepared for this to go a little bit and for me to have to cut it in half and make two, um, which is totally, totally fine. That just means I am a talker, but. Well, that means you and I are that's te- true. technically together. That so. is true. Yes. <laughs> but I went through the entire course myself and it's not because I'm going through a divorce, but because number one, I read anything that Ashlyn writes and that she's released or willing to let me read. Um, and two, I knew I wanted to have you on the podcast to talk about the course. So I, I had to be, you know, all profesh and do my research. So, um, but I'm, I'm so glad I did because you have, and I'm like jumping down my notes, so I'm probably going to be going all over the place. There's, Whatever. I had way, I had pages of notes, and I had condensed <laughs> for this podcast. Th- this is so good, guys. If you know anybody who's going through a really bad breakup or a divorce, these courses are so incredible and so 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 amazing for healing. And they're so affordable. I couldn't believe the price point that you put on these things. So. Um, I'm so excited to share this with everybody, but the assessments, you have assessments, Yes. um, with each was, is it with each module or is it just a few? Cause I don't remember. It's when. really the, we, so there are three for each, uh, for the breakup course and the divorce course, both, um, okay. module one, which the reason for modules as opposed to chapters or weeks, like you would see in a, maybe another course is that this is on your own time. You do not have to hurry or do one thing a day, whatever. So module just simply means like it's it's a chapter, but it is, um, it's just a little bit more open to interpretation, I would say. So do as you will. When people take courses outside and they have to do five modules, they put them into, they put them together in whatever, um, I wouldn't say it's the same as, is is like a yoga course. I remember when my friends did something and she had to pick between modules and they ultimately equaled her certification. So this is not that they need to be done in order, but it's really the idea was so that there was no time frame. Um, And so module one, it has for, for both courses, it has three assessments basically before, during the marriage or relationship, and then today. And so you go through those, that first thing, I want to get a baseline. Oh, yeah. And they are incredibly powerful because I went ahead and took the assessments. <laughs> and even though I don't have an after because I'm not divorced or or out of a relationship, but just the first two, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like it, it literally was sort of numbing, heartbreaking, nostalgic, Mm. and then kind of like freeing. There's a lot of questions and you don't really think about a lot of them when you move on from even just times in your life. And um, I took them too. I mean, because I wrote them, but also I took them and thought, well, what would this conjure up? You know, what would this pull? And that's the whole point is that it, it, it doesn't scare you necessarily. It's not meant to scare you. It's not meant to make you feel 
um, anything other than, you know, we, we need a baseline so we can move forward and use it. And so I'm just asking a lot of questions that seem pesky and small and just weirdly detailed, but it really puts you back into situations that you may or may not pull yourself back in 100%. And I found that when I was doing this work for myself, I had to go to the minutiae to get there, to feel it, rather than just remember the highlights of the bullet points. Absolutely. I think that is so crucial. And I mean, yeah, I, I do think that some people might open up the course and see that and go, oh, I, oh shoot. do I really have to do this? <laughs> this yeah. is not homework. This is not homework. I hate homework. Come on. It's not but busy. It's, it's important. It is. Oh, it is so important and it is so valuable for your healing. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to tap into, you already started talking about it, but I really loved that several times throughout your course to your readers, you tell them that they need to go through this course in their own time at their own pace. And yes. you even instruct them to stop and spend the rest of the day relaxing, going for a walk, taking a bath, something to kind of get their mind out of their own heads for the rest of the day after all of the hard emotional coursework that right. they that they did that day that probably brought up some intense feelings. And the quote that you say that I love is rushing will not serve you in the process of moving on. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> like that how is do, how do I know this Lindsay because I tried oh, to rush this I tried I know. so hard to move just move the heck on and go forward and it just set me back and so that I, I pushed that because because it hurts more when you go back when you feel like you're taking two steps forward two steps back and you didn't have to and so for someone else to say hey I've been here before you and that doesn't make me better. That just makes it an experience that I know fully well will come to you. And so instead of doing what I did, because to be honest, this course was built out of trial and error for me. This was not built oh, yeah. on me knowing what I was doing. And I think I probably called you a couple of times during this time. Um, but See. I know better now. <laughs> and let's just say that was one of the biggest things I learned is that I could not rush this process. I actually could ruin this process by rushing it. I love that. But yeah, I mean, you, so you're talking about how difficult it was for you and you basically did it. And I mean, you have a very like type A personality, which you mentioned in the course. So what made you finally come to terms with the fact that you, you couldn't rush this? Um, Well, let's just say I dated too soon and it was a disaster And it made me question myself even more. Like I was just willing to just try to forge ahead. You know me, Lindsay. I want to master everything so soon. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I could muscle my way through it. And Mm -hmm. that's just not the case. When you're healing, um, unfortunately, you just, uh, okay, to use SVU, Law and Order SVU as a reference. (laughs) Um, I'm a big fan. Oh, I miss you so much. Just (laughs) you mentioning SVU because there were so many times that we've had conversations and you referred to SVU (laughs) when we were talking about certain situations that either one of us was in. sense to me. Oh, I love it. Okay. So for you guys, I'm sorry in advance, but SVU is a big, very big part of my life. It really and, is. And um, I really, the first thing I thought about when I decided, hey, I don't want to go through this again ever in my life. What can I do not to get back here? 
that was the the conviction that started me on my personal path, which led me to what we're what we're talking about today. And uh, the biggest thing was, all right, if you're in the medical examiner's office, <laughs> there is an autopsy. So I need to do a living autopsy. So what they do in the Ooh. medical, I know, right? Hold on, pause for okay. that. Yeah, living autopsy. Uh-huh. That's uh-huh. that's like a little nugget that people it, need to put in their pocket for living, several different well, situations. And I have zero forensic background, so this is just me watching television. <laughs> but what I do know is that they look at everything. They look at the toxicology report. They look at every organ. They take everything out. They run all the tests on their fingerprints, on the lacerations. Look at me with my terminology. I should be in criminal justice. But, you are so good. <laughs> but I, nothing, the idea was that nothing's off limits. And that is different for me. So I think, and I'm, I know I'm not alone here, but no. when you look back on any relationship you've ever had and you go through to the next one, there are guaranteed pieces that you grade out. You know, when you get a list of something and, and a couple of options are grayed out. So you can't even click or unclick. That's how I felt about a lot of things in my life. I did not even look at them because I was just sure that that wasn't the problem. No, no, no. This was a problem. So it never even occurred to me to check everything out. So to use another analogy, whatever is under the hood is is on is on the table. Like you, you have to look at it. Post divorce, post breakup, because I will say from experience, and again, I know I'm not alone here you tend to bring things into the next relationship. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, if you don't clean it up and you don't figure out what is ailing you or what is what is holding you back, you will end up in a divorce seat. And I'm that's not to scare anyone, but like that's what happens when you take one one relationship and sort of bridge it into the next and you don't take care of your personal business, you bring in some baggage and then more baggage and then more baggage. And if you start dating as early as I did, you know, like – 14 and by the time you're 30 getting divorced you've had a lot coming in oh yeah you know so it's it's the living autopsy thing was something I don't think I put it in the course because I didn't want anyone to think I was morbid to be oh no I think that would have been perfect (laughs) Uh, I think you need to stick that into your next course which we will talk about at the end of this because this is a course that I am crazy about. I I haven't read anything. Just she hasn't given me any spoilers, guys, but I am so excited. And we'll, I don't want to mess this rhythm up, but we'll talk about it at the end. You will get all the access, lady. Yay. I'm so excited. (laughs) Um, so, okay. Let's say someone is listening to this episode and Mm -hmm. they, are separated. They're about to go through a divorce, but they haven't gotten through it yet. There's a quote that you have in your course that says, I thought divorce was the light at the end of the tunnel. It was just the beginning. Yeah. But what, I mean, to give some people possibly some hope here, did you feel any initial relief after the divorce was final. Oh, of course. And the reason I said it this 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 way in the in the course is that I thought it was just going to be done and over with and that was going to make all the difference to me. There was a ton of relief in terms of the legal process being done. That is a heart-wrenching process because you're basically being sued or suing or, you know, whatever however you want to look at it with Ugh. the person you you 
um, you promised to marry and love. And it's not a business endeavor, but kind of turns out to be. And so that is hard enough on its own. I don't want to minimize that. Um, my dog actually died during that process to make matters worse. So like it, there were a ton of things that really helped me to be done with that process. But what I will say helped me was the, um, the schedule because I knew what to expect and I knew what I was Mm. preparing for. And so once I was done, I, I assumed that all would be well. And that was naive, (laughs) but first time. So who knows? Just like in marriage, you don't know what to expect. You don't know what's normal, what's not normal. And that's the scariest part. And so my point for putting that in there is I I thought that all would be well, at least in a way that made me feel good. And that's just, that was naive of me to think because I brought in so much baggage from not only my marriage, I will be honest with you, every breakup, every relationship, uh, trauma and, and uh, sexual trauma in my past, all that stuff just bleh, just came out. Once I no longer had something to look forward to, not look forward excited, but look forward to in terms of dates on the calendar, mm-hmm. then I was... Um, I was I, I was the only one in the room anymore. There was no blame to be given. There was no anything. I remember hearing um, a pastor uh, at actually Brotwood Baptist. You know, we went there together. Yes. Um, and I remember hearing him say, it "Just I was in his office with his assistant, and he said, oh, they'll never get divorced. And I don't know who the heck he was talking about, but I do know what he was talking about. And his assistant said, what do you mean? He said, because if they get divorced that means that they'll have to own their own stuff. And so sometimes when you see someone or two people who are married, who have been married for years and years and years, part of the reason that they don't end it, I think, is that they don't, they don't want to be responsible for their own <laughs> stuff. And once you're divorced, you are responsible. And it's kind of like a little bit of a tidal wave at the beginning. And because I didn't recognize that and know that, it hit me a lot harder. And so I'm trying to give a heads up so that it's, it, you're, you're prepared. You can like sturdy yourself. You're not just sitting there all free and clear and thinking, oh, this is awesome. No, I got knocked down. Yeah. You don't have to be knocked down by it if you're, if you're prepared for it. If someone had told me, I think I would have been a little bit better. I think no matter what, it's a kick in the pants. Oh, for sure. This is no cakewalk for anyone at any time, no matter if it's your decision or if it's someone else's decision, no matter if there's trauma involved or abuse involved, whatever. This is not fun. And it's not going to be because you promised something and the promise is now over. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But what is great about this course, though, is even when you're in the kick in the pants portion mm-hmm. of your emotions, maybe you are thinking about doing something like this to start the healing process. What's great is you continually encourage your readers to keep going and challenge them to dig deep even when it hurts, even when you get that kick in the pants. And you do this throughout the entire course over and over and over again. But did you have moments in your healing process, like when you were, like I said in the beginning, kind of unknowingly writing this, where you felt momentarily like just giving up, like um, I, I, this isn't going to get any better. I don't know what it's going to take, you know, 
I am nodding profusely. <laughs> yes. I had so many. Oh, I missed your laugh. Okay. I have so many moments where I, well, first of all, no one was telling me, no one was encouraging me. Like my, my family and my friends were encouraging me in life, but nobody yes. was, was walking me through this. Um, and that is where this, this ultimately came from is I thought, ah, somebody, there's no course, there's no product productivity here. I'm gonna have to read someone else's story, but it's not gonna be mine, which means there's more work to do. And I don't have that ability or capacity, frankly. I need to survive, but I'm also not willing to just survive. I want to do more. And through my personal process, um, the self-doubt was probably the hardest thing to overcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I knew I could talk to my mom and dad. They're very wonderful people and they were, were available to me. I talked to you. I talked to friends in Nashville. I talked to friends in Texas and Georgia, people who knew me as me, not me and married, but knew me before. And that was key also. So I highly recommend that as well. Like human beings, I'm, I'm available all the time, but people who knew you before are, are, it's huge because they, they can remind you. And, um, and it really helped me get through that. But yes, I had moments where I, I thought I am the exception to the rule. I am the exception to the rule that you get to be happy. I remember being, honestly, Lindsay, I, I remember being so jealous of you and David, uh, not in any other way. And my sister and her husband and my uh, one of my best friends, Jennifer, and her husband, Justin, in San Antonio, like, just my parents, they've been married for almost, for 37 years. Like, yeah, they have like a great marriage. Anybody, anyone, my cousins, all of them have great marriages. And I'm just like, what's wrong with me? Why am I having to go through this? And what did I do to deserve this? And so all of that was real. Even if I don't believe it now, it was the biggest thing for me at the time. And oh, I um, can't imagine. And, and you don't, the thing that I didn't know before I went through this, because I had been through plenty of breakups and trauma and blah, blah, blah. But I didn't know how alone you would feel even surrounded by people you love. I just didn't know. And yeah. so I, I, if I could say anything to, to women, men, whoever out there, that it's a, it's a club you don't want to join but it's a club that I'm super proud to be a part of and have gone through and to the other side. Um, talking to someone who's been through it is, is uh, probably one of the biggest suggestions I'd have because there is just something that you just don't know. Like I'm already in it now, but I, I don't remember not being in it, but I wasn't. And so therefore I couldn't have helped someone to the degree that I can now. Well, and that's the nature of who you are is to turn things around, whether they're difficult or whether it's something powerful that happened to you or like a super, you know, difficult situation. You want to turn around and be helpful. And that's just your nature. So I and I mean, and I'm just I'm just so happy that you 
are so much more yourself, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Like, I feel like you could always be yourself with me when we yes. talked and we had our conversation. But I was not myself otherwise, no. No. And I know that. And I knew and that. And we would kind <laughs> of we would kind of talk about that with certain <sighs> situations that would arise in your previous marriage. And it um and I I really hope I wasn't this person because I never I don't I know I never thought to be, but I've I never thought in your previous marriage like, oh my gosh, this is just awful. Like she needs to get out or anything like that. And even when you were separating and getting divorced, I was like, wow, this is huge. And I don't like I can't imagine how you were feeling, but I didn't know how to process it because it just this wasn't something where at the time, I mean, I think now we know certain things and there's a lot that has come to light. But at the time, I'm sure to people, it seemed like, what? They're getting divorced? And I can't imagine that making it any easier. No, I, you know, and I try not to talk much about my marriage because that's not what's important to me now. Absolutely not. But I did not see this I didn't plan for this and and I don't think anyone out there does. Um, And it, I didn't get married to get divorced. Let's just say that. No. And I don't think anyone does. And so when people say they get married like frivolously or whatever, they get, I I didn't. And I got, you know, but even when people kind of throw that on there or they didn't know or whatever, you know what they, you don't, you might not know you when you meet somebody because I was a totally different person when I first met him and, and I I have to give myself grace for that as well. And so now with all this self work, I can, I'm a different human altogether. You are, but you were amazing then. And you're amazing now. I appreciate that. But like, (laughs) I did not love me back then, Lindsay. Oh, I did not love me. I, I tolerated me, let's just say. And that was because of unresolved issues well before that relationship. And so figuring out who you are, it took this catalyst of divorce to really say, all right, let's really do this living autopsy because something, because I'm a journaler, you know that I write all the time. I I am super introspective. I will self uh, therapize is not a therapy therapize that's not a real word but I, I like will, it okay therapize <laughs> I will I will I will help myself out to the nth degree and it did not make a difference because I was I was not checking everything I was checking what I thought was wrong and that is just not enough and so I'm so grateful for this divorce even though it was painful even though it it almost I felt like it was almost going to crush me um it brought me back to life. So oh, I love that. I love hearing that. And I didn't know the, how, 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 how not alive I was. I knew that I, I was confused and sad and all the things that people feel. And, and this has nothing to do with my marriage. It's any marriage that's failing. Any marriage that's failing. Any relationship that, that is failing. It, it's, it's pulling the dregs of you. It's not pulling the best of you. And so it, when, you, when, you, when it falls apart, Instead of looking at it as the end of your life, it's easy to do that. And I certainly did. But thinking of it as an opportunity and a gift to figure out where things have gone wrong. 
And Mm -hmm. that might be something that has absolutely nothing to do with your marriage or your relationship in the first place. There's a lot of cleanup to be done. Well, I think that you did an incredible job. Just, I mean, I know that I know you and I can say that, but (laughs) it just going through this course, it is in a way, (laughs) but when I read this course, I almost like, of course, the, because I know how you write and I know your personality, there's so many Ashlyn nuggets in there, mm. but <laughs> I didn't necessarily feel like I was reading something that was specifically by you. And okay. I mean that as a compliment. Yeah, I no. don't mean that as like a, that didn't sound like you. No, because <laughs> it, it did. But I can just, I felt y- the new you. If yeah. that makes yeah. sense, I which feel because new. I do good. feel new, which is why I put this into. Sorry, that was my mail. Um, which is why this is so important to me, and why I'm so passionate. Because you know me, I'm kind of like a. I hate promoting like me. It makes yeah. me feel weird. But this isn't about me, and I do no. know this worked for me. This exact course, out of order, albeit. And all the uh, stupid dates I went on. But you don't have to do that because I did it. Um, All those things led me to this other side. And without it, I would be in a same situation, different cast kind of relationship. I'm sure of it. I never, ever would have looked at myself the way I do now with the respect. And I mean, I'm not like perfect now either. I mean, I'm super close. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) I'm not perfect, but I definitely, I definitely see myself as worthy. And while I may have it like a funky night or something, I didn't feel that before. And that was not because of my marriage that started well before my marriage. I mean, I think it's incredibly brave to be able to get to a place to acknowledge something like that. I want to dive in a little bit though to your, the panic attacks and sickness and anxiety that you used to have. Um, And maybe you still battle with a little bit today. No, no. not not enough. Really? No. (gasps) I love it. I know it's the best thing ever. But talk a little bit about that awful time time (laughs) that that would – well, because I didn't – I remember – okay, so post-divorce when you would talk about like some dates or potential dates you were going on, I remember you saying that you kind of felt like a little, "Eh, you know, feeling that great. But you wouldn't necessarily say like – Lindsay, I was going to throw up mm. at the That's table. Probably or... because I was afraid I was going to throw up talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> but you talked about that yeah. in the course. Yeah. And I, because this has been a while, I mean, you used to feel this way about other situations. Yeah. I think even maybe before you got married. I, well, I grew up just having a super sensitive stomach. You know, I would run a track meet and be like, oh God, here we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hated like just the the pressure. And then I, I grew up on stage dancing uh, before singing really entered the picture. And I would feel every now and then I'd feel a little just nauseous. I'm, 
Uh, I couldn't really eat before things. So I learned my way, so to speak. Like, don't eat if you have a morning competition or don't eat right before dance. Eat midway, you know. And I just thought it was just my belly, you know, like just like movement or something like that or just nerves. And yes is the short answer. But um, as I got older, I had random times where I thought I, I just had food poisoning out of nowhere, and I was just so confused by it, but I thought, you know, whatever. Like, I just, like, accepted it, and it didn't happen so much that I was worried about it. And then all of a sudden, it started happening every time I went out of town. And that mm. was weird. And mm-hmm. and it was always dinner, never in the day. It was always at night. And the panic started when there was stress involved, first of all. Stress has to be there. But also, I'm at a restaurant and I, when you're out of town, you're not your own home. You're not um, necessarily close to the hotel you're even staying at. So you're kind of sequestered. And I felt literally trapped in the restaurant, especially if I thought it was going to be a long meal. And mm. it, there was going to be time. And there was just this inner dialogue that you won't, you'll have to go, like, as soon as you excuse yourself to the bathroom, just to even get a, a minute, not even to go throw up. Like, by the way, I hate throwing up. If that's not I clear, know. I hate it. And so this was like the biggest fear for me. There was, oh God. Anyway, I would, I, I thought the minute you excuse yourself, you may be trapped in there for the rest of the night. How are you going to leave? And so that fear was debilitating. And the fact that it had happened twice and then three times and then four times and then five <sighs> times. All that does for someone who has anxiety, if you're out there and you have anxiety, you know what I mean. You giving you evidence that it happened once, it can happen again, is enough to shut you down. Oh, and, I, yeah. And I so, wouldn't want to do anything. Oh, no. And so it made me afraid, but I also thought like something's – you're crazy. Something's wrong with you. This is just food poisoning. You need to choose something different. So then when I went to the gastroenterologist, he asked me a series of questions, and one of them was like, well, what'd you eat at all these places five times, five different episodes? And when I say food poisoning, the reason I liken it to that and thought it was that was it was a 24-hour to 48-hour throwing up. It was Mm -hmm. not like once and I feel better. It was consistent. And that's what made me fear that I wasn't going to be able to leave wherever we were. And and then so he said, um, none of the foods you ate were the same. I was like, yeah, I know. Because I purposely tried to eat different things when I went everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, you weren't in the same place, same restaurant. Yeah, I know. He said, were you stressed? And I said, well, yeah, you know, trying to downplay it. <laughs> and, uh, and, he's, and he said, is there anything that is, um, that is consistent? Anything that's exactly the same? Because everything else is a variable. And I was like, yeah, there was a person. And, and I will tell you, it was not my husband. It was not my ex-husband. But it was someone else during that time of my life. And, um, and I, know I, I know you do. <laughs> and I said, uh, e- e- yes, there actually is one constant or control if, you, if you're in science class. And, I, and he said, well, some people have migraines. Other people have uh, digestion issues and that, that come out like that. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> And I remember, like, I went into the gastroenterologist thinking I had some sort of problem with my colon. That's how bad it was. 
And oh my, my grandmother, gotcha. well, and my grandmother had, like, she went with me. We used to have a coffee date every Monday. And I was like, hey, instead of coffee, do you want to go like gastroenterologist? <laughs> and she said, yes. So, but she had colon cancer That's and they awesome. got it and then biopsy. So grandma Donna. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. So I thought, oh my God, I'm predisposed. Like I'm dying. No. And, uh, and that's what they said. And I looked at her when that person, when that doctor told me and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like I'm allergic to this person. And, and so, um, literally, yes. And <laughs> so I, that helped, but I will say Linz, it did not help forever. Because now, when you're talking about an anxiety, uh, an anxious person, someone who has anxiety, and by the way, I didn't think I had it in a way that needed to be medicated. I am now, and it has changed my life. So this is not me seeing this as an actual thing that could be fixed. This is just me thinking it was my personality. Um, yeah, uh, because I've had it my whole life, and, and it had never been brought up. Because it was kind of just, I'm type A, I'm all these things. I'm type A with my stupid medicine. So like I just assumed. And so here we are. And I'm it's such good information, such good insight. But when you have anxiety, it plays you. It plays you like a drum. <laughs> because oh, now you know, and now you can't unknow. Like you know that it's, it's, it's happening. So when I, okay, so post-divorce. I would go on a date, and this is what we were kind of referring to. I would I went on a date with this guy. There's nothing wrong with him. Nothing wrong at all. He's not malicious. He's not a bad human. It does not matter. My gut knew this is not the right thing. Mm-hmm. I was so nauseous. I never really, like, I never threw up again to a certain point. But the fear was enough to debilitate me. And make me not want to do anything. So I got asked out on a date. I'm trying so hard to like get back into life and being normal. And so I go. And the entire time I went, I just was so afraid. And he, okay, so I didn't even date him past one time. Just like, (laughs) not because of this, honestly, but because... It just wasn't there. It wasn't right. Yeah. Right. But it, but it wasn't bad either. So that's why it's like, it didn't matter if it was good or bad. It was, it's just not right. And I went, we went to this place called Milk and Honey and he was so kind. And then afterward, he, he's a musician, go figure. But, um, and he said, Hey, one of my friends is playing at the, I forget what it's called, somewhere in East Nashville. Do you, do you mind if we go watch him? And one part of me was like, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, laundromat. That's what it's called. And it's such a cool venue. Anyway, the other part of me was like, I have no bathroom. <laughs> you need to run. And it's not to run. pee. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I said, yes, I've been against all my of best. Of course you did. Yes. Because I'm a people pleaser. <laughs> Enneagram number two. Number two. And, um, so I went to the bathroom and I was like, I took like 40,000 deep breaths. I probably gagged three or four times and I made it back to the, the thing. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. It's not funny, but I just can picture you okay. and I'm like, oh, poor Ash. I know. And it's so like, that's what I wanted. But at this, so I went and we, oh, by the way, I was in real estate at the time. And I also had to go buy one of my, my, I think this is what gave him the idea that I was like willing to hang out. But I was like, Hey, I really need to go turn off a light at one of my properties. 
And um, they're actually two, two of my musician clients at the time. And I was like, we're, we're not that far. Do you mind? And he said, no. And he was like, and by the way, and I was like, no, no more. If it's my idea, great. If it's your idea, vomit. (laughs) (laughs) And but really, I had nothing. I was, I was having a good time, but anxiety doesn't care. It does not care how happy you are or what you're doing. And so I thought I was going to be plagued for this forever. And I will say, ladies, men out there who have anxiety, it feels like such a sentence. It is not. It is trying to tell you something. It doesn't have to be that it was a bad human that you're with or a bad, bad situation. It's telling you it's not right, whatever that may be. Because I will say when I met my husband, we met in person for the first time in another state for both of us. And I thought, what the heck are you doing? Why (laughs) are you going to it? You know you. You know you can't even go out to Nashville. And you're going to a different state, you idiot. And I so I I stocked up on like ginger pills and gas pills and anything that would help my belly. I had my nausea medication from the gastro. I mean, I was ready. I love it. Didn't have to use a dang thing because the minute I, I met Marcus in person, I was like, okay. Like it didn't yep. come up. It did not literally. <laughs> sorry. Anyway, uh, it did not, <laughs> it did not come up at all. Like, because it was right. And so that was the key to me. I knew I was, I knew he was the right one when I did not get sick. How sad is that? But whatever. No, but I love that story because I know so many people who suffer from anxiety and to hear a story like that, I think is so relatable. And I, I know that that's just such a good story. It's a good story. And I honestly, I'm so glad I have it, but I did not believe that I would have a moment where I was not plagued by this because anxiety is so big and it is so all in you and people controlling yes it it controls your moves your Mm -hmm. thoughts the freedom you have and so while information was so great for me when I learned it it almost like it almost took me over too because it made me feel unable to live a real life I had to live according to these guidelines so that I wouldn't like embarrass myself or just get sick because getting sick does not feel good no matter who you are and my sister no. has different stuff. She used to have more of the traditional, I would say traditional just because that's what I grew up thinking, but like throat closing up and feeling like you can't breathe anymore, which of course I have in my asthma and I'm not afraid of that anymore. <laughs> so no, no, I get like a different version of anxiety. And I mean, so whatever the case is, whatever happens to you, uh, I don't want to say this is the answer, like true love marrying Marcus Blue, but I will say that it is not a life sentence. No, it is not. Especially if it arises. And medication is not a bad thing. Oh, no, 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 no. At all. But you also also talk about meditation Mm -hmm. and yoga Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in your course because you, like I mentioned in the beginning, you are a yoga instructor among how many things can you do like for real we don't need to talk about it I love it I can talk about it all day long thank you very much I have we'll focus on yoga I will okay yes I got into yoga before my divorce but then I got into 
learning like the actual behind the scenes of yoga when I was uh, going through my divorce because it was a good time. I had been asked a couple years in a row from the um, the person who I uh, took yoga from for years. And honestly, I got into it because it was the most like dance and I didn't have to wear shoes. So that was <laughs> key to me. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it was, it just felt like a, like a double like bonus because you were doing something with your body and with quieting the mind. And that quite frankly, I needed that at the time. So when I got out of my marriage, I was already primed for this. And so I got my yoga certification because it helped me. And I thought, well, let's pay it forward. And I've got time. Like, why not? So I went through that and it did do a lot for me. Um, When I moved to Aspen, I met a girl named Michelle. And Michelle Bersani, she is part of this. And she she worked at the yoga studio that I managed at the time. And Michelle specializes in more of the restorative side. So immunology. So people have um, uh, immune diseases or trauma, PTSD. She was really great at that. And not to say that I couldn't speak to it, but when you do something, you don't want to be the jack of all trades because you don't want it just feels like, okay, let me let you do this and I'll do this. And Michelle has also been divorced. So it worked out great. Not for her (laughs) or me, but in terms of her understanding the point of this, she had an understanding that these, this would be helpful. Um, and she knew where I was coming from during during all the other parts of the course. And so yoga, and I put it in there as opposed to if you like you might be a yogi, which is great, wonderful. But I phrase it, and hopefully this comes off, I phrase it as something that is a tool. It is not Absolutely. necessarily a lifestyle. You don't have to become a quote unquote yogi or buy into the Sanskrit or learn anything other than what I give you. Because I asked Michelle, hey, let's do this. Let's, this is what this is for. And she boiled it down to what would be helpful in moments of um, feeling restless, in moments of feeling anxiety, or any of those things that you feel post-relationship, post-divorce. And then with meditations, I personally had a really hard time going to sleep because my mind would just burn on all cylinders, everything would go <laughs> right when I would lie my head down, it would be like, Phew! you just like, just anything that could ever happen. And one of the biggest things that I've always had issues with well before I got married. So this again, like I say, this is all, this is not the fault of the marriage necessarily. This may or may not be something that you brought in. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that you're in the wrong. That just means you've got unresolved stuff to bring out within this course. And one of the things that happened to me when I was, I was in my early, early twenties and probably around the time you and I met Lindsay and we, and then, so we, no, we weren't in doing that. Uh, I was alone <laughs> in my bed at 3am and I'd wake up and it would be like, you know, those old school, um, okay. Two, two things. Bruce Almighty. Do you remember that movie? Do you of remember when, uh, God, Morgan Freeman pulls that that whole file folder out or oh, file, yes. and it like shoots Jim Carrey. Shoots okay. out. Yeah, yeah. So the file cabinet that would happen, and then it'd be like you pick up a cab, you pick a cabinet. Oh my gosh, I can't talk. Pick up a folder, and then 
one of those, I don't know why, but it is an old school projector, like the old, like with film. And it would be a quote unquote loop of everything I had ever done wrong in my entire life on a loop. So it would pick up a file. So say it's dating, that's the file or whatever else you might say, um, mistakes you made. And it would just be a loop in that category all night long. It would always happen at 3.30 or 4 when it was a little too early to wake up, a little too late to really get back to sleep. And that had plagued me forever and ever. And so, yeah. You just uh, painted a picture that is going to be helpful to so many people who have this issue. Oh, <laughs> and well, for it. Bruce Almighty, everybody. Bruce uh, Almighty. But, but good, then like opening up a folder <laughs> yes, and then it's – on film playing over and over and over again all of and it's never the good stuff no it's never the pretty it's always everything that you think you did wrong yes and I know that now and I know that now and you know what I do now I literally just get up and that happened to me like three days ago um I don't that doesn't happen to me anymore like it's funny enough it just happened three days ago and I got up it was last Friday and I literally, it was 4.45, Ollie and Nelly um, both like needed to go to the bathroom. So I have a broken ankle, couldn't do it. I had to tap my husband and be like, sorry. Um, and I really do feel badly about that. But for whatever reason, I was just up then. And then my mind started to go. And it wasn't the same as it was when I was younger, but it, but it still was like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to get past this. I'm just going to keep on going down and down. So I literally now just get up and go to the other room and watch television. And um, did you know that there's a CNN? <laughs> did you know that there's a CNN show like at like three o'clock in the morning that's live in New York? What? It, it no. was like two something for me. I don't know. I think I may have said 445. I did not mean that. It was like 245. Oh yeah. Anyway, I don't know when these people sleep, but um. Yeah, now I've I've decided like it's it's more torturous to sit there and try to like will myself back to sleep. Just get up, don't get up and like make coffee, but get up and go to the other room, put something else on that'll get your attention and unloop you. You know, literally stop the tape. Which um, is is a good it's a good thing for you to do mm-hmm. at night, but during the day, you Ooh. talk about in your course how. Basically, one of the reasons that you were like a side hustling maniac, which yes. is, I mean, and I, I mean that with love. No, I was. But I, was. I literally used to think like, how are you doing all of the things that you are doing? Mm-hmm. And you basically admit in the course that it was because you had to or else you were going to drive yourself crazy. I was outrunning my feelings. Yes. And, and. I don't know if there's a part of me, type A or not, that's always done that. Like, I don't feel the need to outrun. I'm still very driven and still very, like, task-oriented, and I do a lot of things. But I don't do it anymore with the vengeance I had before. And and I think, you know, you you knew me before marriage and, and during and after. Mm-hmm. But I was doing that the whole time. And I think I was outrunning myself. I, I, regardless of what was going on in relationships, like there was a big part of me that thought that I needed to validate my existence on this earth. And that wasn't from anyone else. Most of the time it came straight from my fear that I wasn't good enough. 
And so if that rings true to anyone out there, that is a real thing. And oh, I'm I sure it is. Just so happened to be really good at multitasking. Um. No, you are a champ at that for sure. That I will attest to. But I just remember, and the thing was, I remember being able to tell when, although you were really good at something, I'm like, she's got to let that go. Mm. Like she needs a break. Because I, and I think this, and you might still be doing it. So if you are, do not take this to heart, please. (laughs) But you are an incredible realtor. Oh, I'm not actually. I, I mean, I still have my license, but that's just for, for referrals. Yes. But that's not what you're necessarily doing now. Okay. Then no. I feel very you're free good. You good. You are an incredible realtor. And I can't believe what you were able to spin and pull off for your clients. It like legally and you know, yeah, like, yeah. You, you, you are somebody who like has always listened to the teacher in school. Like you do everything the right way. So you weren't bending any rules. But I mean I but I was like, I don't think she's enjoying this. And I don't know how to tell her, dude, like <laughs> maybe take a step back because you were constantly like hustling. I know. And, that that. Was, and I was hustling for myself. I was hustling to tell myself I was worthwhile and that I could make my own living. Um, I've been battling. I've been talking about this in this retreat I did a couple of days ago, like and it's just a, a six-month program, so it's just the very beginning. But I've had imposter syndrome my entire life. Like, no, no, no. If you really knew me, you would see X, not Y. You would see how, how bad I am so, how, or, or how, how unqualified I am. And so I also making a living is hard in general, and especially post-divorce. I was just so afraid. But what kept me going there um, was my clients. I actually liked them a lot. And so I hung on to that. Uh, yeah, that I could tell. That I, I could tell for sure. to the people because I thought, you know what? There are a bunch of people out there who are probably not qualified for this job other than the fact that they know numbers and they know how to, to bend people, you know? And I'm not that person. So if I can do anything well in this um, real estate business, it is to be the human that I would want to work with. You know, and so I worked with a lot of musicians. I understood how their lives worked in terms of their time frames, like their availability, the fact that they didn't want to be catered to. They wanted to be treated like regular people. Um, Oh, yeah. And And you were so good at that. I think you excelled most in the in your relationship with your clients. But you also were you were so good at every other part of it, too. I mean, Mm. half the time I didn't even understand what you were talking (laughs) to me about because I didn't know real estate lingo. But I was like, dang, she like she can. I learned the things. I I learned the things that you have to know. And I I like contracts, which is very strange. I didn't (laughs) like like how final they were because that seems scary. But like I like paperwork and um, and things of that nature. And so between that and also knowing that this is the biggest transaction someone's ever going to have for the most part. Mm, True. Trying to think about that in terms of the human element, I thought I – I can, I can relate to that, you know? And so when you're in a place where you don't feel like you're hundred percent in the job that you're supposed to be in, and I think we've all been there, mm-hmm. you can, you can um, connect with one aspect of it. And that kept me going and obviously getting good at it and knowing what the heck I was talking about was part of the process. 
But during that time when I was in real estate and I got into it in 2012, I, I had this feeling that I had to be the, not the best, like in competitive, like competitive, compete against anyone else, but the best at it in order to be viable because I had such a low view of myself and my worth and my abilities. And so I went to probably three or four times harder than normal. Um, and it helped me to a degree, but it also probably robbed me of a little bit of joy. <laughs> well, maybe that's what it was because I'm like, I just don't, she's so good at this, but I don't know that she's getting joy out of it. No. No. And I think like you and me being creatives, you know, I'm yeah, like, it was transactional she's an and amazing I transactional. writer and she's an amazing singer and she's an amazing dancer and she's and like I feel like even yoga, like as a yoga instructor, that is like body. I know I know it's I don't even necessarily know. I'm, I'm sure it does tie in, but because I'm not a crazy yoga person I mean I I really do love it when I yes. have a chance to take a just class kidding, kidding. it's an amazing no it is it's amazing um what it does to your body and like flowing oxygen through your blood like I know some things but <laughs> I um I don't know how how you pour like I can imagine that's creative too it's creative in more of the dance side than it is the music side I'll be honest um because it's it's bringing your body into spaces and finding a way to find signified ease in the uncomfortable. That is what yoga is. You are putting yourself into a physical shape and you find yep. ease in there. And that is why it's so killer. Not killer. That's the wrong word. It's so fantastic for, uh, excuse me. Uh, for those who are in pain because you are used to it and the the human way is to back out the minute you feel discomfort. Oh, yeah. And there is something to be said about a yoga um, practice in any way, shape, or form, just if nothing else, to teach you, you, to yourself. So it shows you how you re you react in a difficult situation. And that doesn't mean that you are like failing at life. It just means, oh, okay, I don't, I can only hang in with this for like a second. What if I held on for two? Mm -hmm. would, it would it actually kill me? Because everything in yoga is so, so temporary. And I think when I started yoga, I was struggling. I was struggling a lot. And so because I wasn't dancing every day and I wasn't going to class and I wasn't on a dance team like I was in high school or perform, you know, on stage or anything, I said there was no rehearsal. This is the next best thing. It wasn't a close second, but it was the next best thing that I could go to and take a class and it would be new every time uh, yeah. to a degree. And that was enough for me at the time because I did not want to put shoes on, I said. And I didn't want to count <laughs> because when I count, I get in my own head and I think I should do more. I should be more. And so yoga, the way that they speak to you, the way that, they, that you start to speak to yourself is not out of you should do more. It's what can you do? And so you start to have a, an inner monologue, or actually more of a dialogue, because you, you, you answer with your body. Um, and you learn the difference between forcing yourself, which is when you're literally um, like panting. When you're panting in the gym, people think, wow, they're doing a great job. When you're like <laughs> losing it, 
with your lungs in a yoga studio, you're not necessarily, I don't want to say doing it right because that's not the case, but you are definitely not at ease. And that's the idea in yoga is that you're not trying to force it. You are trying to let it happen and see where you are and find your breath. And as an asthmatic, that was another thing that drew me to it. Um, And so over the time, there are certain poses. Everyone's got a different pose that really like takes it out of them. Um, I remember when I first got to yoga, the chair pose, like it's exactly what it sounds like sitting in an imaginary Mm -hmm. chair. And I remember the owner, uh, Nora, who I went to, ironically went to kindergarten with, yes. Uh, Nora said this pose got, and I forget who it was, through her divorce. And I was like, what? That's bull. And, (laughs) you know, like, and I just kind of said that in my head. But I was still fully married, not thinking about this anymore. And I thought, nah, nah, nah. And then she didn't mean the pose. She meant how she felt in the pose and how she took that and replied it to her life outside the mat, off the mat. And so it's so much more than a movement or a holding. It is, it is, you are learning about how you handle discomfort. And that's what life is. A lot of joy, but you can handle joy. You're not trying to get out, you know, like you're not jumping out of that. You're basking in the glow of of joy. When you are just uncomfortable, that's when you start to back. And that's, uh, that's when you start to make your own, you know, you numb, you, uh, all the things in module two of the course, you start to create cycles and patterns and things, and you don't realize it until it's become not who you are, because you can totally undo, but it feels like who you are. Thank you guys so much for listening to part one of my interview with Miss Ashlyn Huff. I really hope you enjoyed it. I got so much out of hearing just everything that she was able to pour out to us from her experience, not just post-divorce or going through a divorce, but in her life in general, what's helped her with anxiety and feelings of unworthiness. And I hope that as so many people out there, maybe you listen to this, you're not going through a divorce or a bad breakup, but you can relate to that. Um, so, so take that with you. If you want to participate in the giveaway, the giveaway is going to be going on until February 12th, 2020. That is when it closes. All you have to do is follow us. So we want you to follow at how to move on and be happy on Instagram follow at Ashlyn Huff and follow at Failing Awesomely. All of that information is going to be in the details um, in the description of this podcast episode. It's also going to be in the description of the next um, episode's podcast, part two. All you have to do is message us to let us know that you followed all three accounts and you're in and hopefully you will win. Thank you guys so much for listening. Can't wait to see you back next week.